is it? Don, it's me, Sam. Let me in. What's the code? <laughs> Love and tolerance? Right. Where'd you hear that? I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, how many different meetings have you been to in Palm Springs? Unfair, Don. COVID. Although I have gotten to a handful. <laughs> of in-person meetings. Exactly. I mean, I've gone to, I've gone to a meeting every day via Zoom, but I have yet to get to very many in-person meetings. So it is kind of unfair, but how many different meetings did you go to before COVID when you were, you were living in Greensboro, North Carolina? I so probably over, probably only a quarter of the, the different meetings that meet in Greensboro. So there's like 135 a week. Yeah. Over the course of time, a lot of time there. I probably went to a quarter of the, the meetings, so many of them regularly. You know, I kind of found the ones that worked for me, but sometimes you got to explore, right? Well, I like to mix it up. For one thing, you get tired of going to the same meeting all the time. And it's like, you're hearing the same stuff all the time. You go to a different meeting, you see different people, you get more input, you get other recovery in, in your life. The greater part of the variety that I got to experience in going to meetings was when I traveled internationally for work for four years. And I went to a meeting in a bunch of different places. Oh, you went all over the world. I was all over the world. I surely was. It was really, really cool. But I think it's a really cool idea. I mean, I actually had that idea one point to go to all the meetings in Greensboro. I think you might have had that too, didn't you? Yes, I did. My second year. I intended to go to every meeting and I probably, I don't know, I quit at about 15. At that time, there were 80 plus meetings in Greensboro. So I made- You're such a quitter, Don. <laughs> well, our guest today is not a quitter. <laughs> well, he is, but- <laughs> <laughs> Well, he did quit drinking, I understand. There you go. <laughs> But our guest sent an article into the Grapevine magazine. It's in the August issue, 186 home groups. That's incredible. Welcome to the show, Alan. Hi, guys. I'm an alcoholic from Fort Worth. My name's Alan. Alan, I'm glad you came. Now, we don't want to rehash the whole article. Everyone can go to the Grapevine and read in the August issue and read the article, 186 home groups. But just in a brief survey, what did you do there? Well, it was an old timer kind of inspired me to do it, chatting with him in uh, December. You know, he, he got to quite a few meetings in the local area and I just decided to do a uh, New Year's resolution. And in the town where I got sober, the Midwest uh, capital, uh, there were 205 meetings in a week, excluding the ones that were, were not open to a, a male alcoholic to attend. I, you know, attended 186 in 93 days. So some days I went to five in a day, just, you know, early morning, mid morning, midday and evening, you know, had a little checklist and knocked them off through the week as I went. How long had you been sober when you did this? 
Well, the goal was to uh, complete that New Year's resolution by my first anniversary. Oh. So, oh, wow. Yeah. And from nine months, my sobriety dates, uh, four, four of 18. So I completed it by April 3rd of 2019. Wow. So, that is fantastic. And, and so many people balk at the idea of 90 meetings in 90 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and you, you guys were saying at the intro that I was listening to, you know, I've, I've never been to a bad meeting, but I've been to different meetings and uh, the meetings that I do attend, you know, it's a different perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, Don was saying, it, you know, you go to the same Monday morning through Friday at 7 a.m. It's the daily reflection. It's, it's the same thing during the month of August. You know, it's step eight, you know, but if you get to a different meeting, a different format, you're going to hear something different, you know, that you that I personally don't normally read or do. And I, I like a variety. And in my early sobriety, I've had quite a bit of that. You know, one meeting I love, it's a line by line big book study. There's a study guide that starts off clear cut directions. Two brothers in Dallas started it. And, and I love that format because it, it makes me think it goes through the big book, but it makes me think. So everything I've learned about the big book, because I did not identify with the big book when I first came in, it seemed very dated to me. My home group is a meeting, the way out group, and it meets on Monday nights in Greensboro. It is a study guide, very slowly going through the big book, looking at question by question. Mm -hmm. The idea is to slow it down and dive in deep and see what's really, what are they getting at here? It's a very rich experience. It really is. And and that used to be my home group too, uh, when I was traveling internationally. And I loved it because I could be on a, a, a business trip for three or four weeks and come back and they hadn't even turned the page. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that you mentioned, Alan, also uh, talking about uh, going to all these meetings was the different formats and such, but it's also, you got exposed to a bunch of different people too, didn't you? Right. A lot of different uh, people, different age groups, The overarching thing that I took away from the entire experience was just how many meetings I went to were in a a church basement. They had some caption, some picture of God as that denomination saw God, but, you know, he allowed the group of drunks to come into his house of worship and to believe in any God that they internally believed in. Somebody in my early sobriety, a very dear fellow showed me the group of drunk concept because God was something I didn't want to go to, but over through my sobriety journey to this point, you know, I, I've came to an understanding of a, a God that is my God, and I choose to call him that, and it's above and beyond the group of drunks, but the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous is still near and dear to my heart, and, and I do a little bit of traveling today in my profession, and it's great to walk into a, a new community you know, if they're not on the meeting guide app, I can Google AA, the name of that town and, and find meetings. And when, when I started my traveling adventure, you know, an old timer said, you know, as you go to a new meeting, you're going to find a bunch of friends you never knew you had. And he's absolutely true about that. So I can walk into a, a new meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I have a common bond with everybody in that room. They have a desire not to drink that day. And it's just wonderful to do that. So. Isn't that amazing? I love how my shoulders just automatically drop when I walk into a meeting room, even if it's the first time I've ever been around that particular group of people. You're immediately around friends. Yes. What is something that you think 
that you learned from going to 186 different meetings, they're all different from one another. Just just a garner in a different perspective on things, I, I, I would say a different way to look at it, you know, different fellows perspectives, even though you may be reading the same page 30 of the big book, you know, somebody in, in a particular meeting may have a different view on a particular line. And the other thing too, it, it happened early in my sobriety, actually, when I went to treatment, uh, I went out of state, we were allowed to go off campus and go to different meetings at a certain point. And I remember coming back, talking to my sponsor, my home sponsor, and uh, saying, hey, they're, they're not doing the meetings right. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, they're, they're doing the coins at the end, you know, they're not, because I'm a big coin guy. I'm carrying my three-year medallion in my pocket right now, you know, some military uh, ties there, but I'm like, they're doing the meetings wrong. And he listens to me for about 30 seconds and he goes, are they sober at the end of the meeting? I go, yeah. He goes, nice. well, well, then they're doing something right. So whatever format it's in, whatever readings they do, it's people trying to share their experience, strength, and hope with each other and solve their common problem. You know, and it, it doesn't matter the format. They're sober at the end of it. That's the important thing. This is something that I think that you learn from travel, period that the things that I think are so important because it's the way that I've always done them may not be that important. And it's just because of habit and inertia that I hang on to those things. And by going to a lot of different meetings, I think I learned like in traveling and such where they do something different. Well, the things that they're doing different, those are the things that really are not that important. That's not the core. That's just the stuff around the edges. That's one thing I learned. I don't need to be attached to these little things like chip order and color. No. <laughs> no. What color is your sobriety? Yeah. Or walking into a meeting with an expectation of that meeting. You know, the meeting's going to flow in this manner and, and have this topic or what have you. We're going to do this reading. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm there to, you know, gain perspective from the other people listen to their experience, their strength and their hope and see what commonalities I, I can see and hear in, in their shares, you know, their experiences. So I'm looking for the similarities, not the differences. There you go. And the meeting is so much what I bring to it. There's stories I've read over the years, little moral stories and all that about, you know, two people going to the same meeting and one person, it was a horrible meeting. And the other person, it was one of the best ones he'd ever been to. And it was the same meeting. It really depends on what I'm bringing when I come and walk into that room. And I've been in meetings too, that meetings that stand out in the forefront of my mind where something occurred in that meeting that in my perspective, it's not how I would want to act or treat another fellow. T to be honest, it was an old timer browbeating somebody who came back in after a relapse. Too harsh. Too harsh. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's not the fellow I want to be. That's not the experience I want to share. Yeah, we don't shoot our wounded. No. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I've, I've never been to a bad meeting. I've been to different meetings. I love that statement. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've walked away learning something at every meeting I attend. So, you know, I've never been to a bad meeting either, but I've certainly been to a meeting that made me need a meeting. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Alan, I want to go to the beginning here. 
So when you first surrendered, how did you come to a place where you decided that I cannot drink anymore? I've got to quit this and I need help and I'm going to go to AA to get it. For me, it was, I already knew AA existed at the behest of my second ex-wife and some friends that thought I had a drinking problem. I went to AA and checked it out for three, three and a half months and did a big book reading with my sponsor at the time, every Tuesday in a coffee shop. After three and a half months, I pushed away from the table. I told him, Hey, I appreciate your help, but I got this. And I went back out for about three and a half more years of further experimentation and it didn't work. I, I could never control and enjoy my drinking. And it came to a point that I just got tired of waking up drenched in sweat at three 30 in the morning, needing mm. another shot of Jack Daniels to drink. Mm. I, I don't know what it was. I, I don't know why the, the morning of April 3rd, 2018 was my last drink today for this 24 hours. You know, I knew exactly where to go. I didn't go back to a meeting that day. I, I went on April 4th. Ironically, I have two desire chips in my journey so far. They were both given to me by the same fellow uh, who celebrated eight years this past January. That's the ironic. That was at the time I didn't realize it, but looking back, that was kind of my first God conscious moment. You know, my two desire chips came from the same fellow in the same clubhouse in the same town, almost in virtually the same seat. Mm. I just got sick and tired of the yo-yo, the countless yo-yo, the trial and struggle to control my drinking. It always ended up me looking at myself in the mirror at 3.30 in the morning going, Alan, you got to quit drinking like this. I hear you. So what is it like today? You know, the promises have came true in my life. I'm in a much better place emotionally, physically, spiritually than I was when I started. Uh, I've had some valleys along my journey, but I've been able to, you know, turn to fellows in the program that have, you know, shown me that they've done it and how they've done it. And I've really been honest with my sponsors. I had a lot of squirrels in my closet, so to speak, a lot of skeletons that, you know, I didn't want to share that I drank at and drank over mm -hmm. those things aren't there anymore. So I've shared those you know, with my sponsors, I've taken the steps. It's a byline or analogy. Meeting makers make it. I'm a firm believer that that's not truly the wholehearted truth. Meeting makers that take the action required make it. Yeah. The steps have given me a, a new way of living, doing a, a 10 step daily. It just happened yesterday, you know, in a clubhouse that I kind of somewhat offended someone. And before I left that clubhouse, I apologized and made an amends with that person. Hey, you were right. I was wrong. And it, it's just a different way of living. That's beautiful. I, I like the idea that meeting makers make it. Over COVID times, corn times, I like to call it, <laughs> I started going to a meeting every day. And before that, I was going maybe three meetings a week. And I also met with sponsees and did other things in AAs. And I have found that going to a meeting every day, my equilibrium is better. I'm, it's much easier for me to let go of the world and all the people in it. And that's what my problem is, the world and all the people in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> going to meetings, it points me in the right direction. What is something that's happened to you, Alan, 
What do you think is the one thing that's happened to you in recovery that was the most difficult thing to do, yet you found a way to do it? What was AA asking you to do that you didn't want to do? And then once you got on the other side, you found it was the right thing to do. Truly, it's just being honest. It's being rigorously honest with a lot of loved ones in my life. You know, first and foremost, you know, the relationship with my children. I kind of uh, foiled that or stepped on it anytime I ever would visit them and my kiddos, my grandkids. You know, the the focus wasn't on the, the quality time with the kids or the grandkids. It was, you know, where's that next drink? I, I don't know, just being honest with them through my journey to, to date, you know, making amends to them first and foremost, I think is the greatest thing that my journey's given me. You know, it, it allows me to spend time with five grandkids that, you know, while I was drinking, they weren't the focus when I was with them. You know, the, the drink was. What was hard about being honest? I, I didn't want them to maybe truly see, you know, my vulnerability. What does affect me? I didn't want them to see the, my true emotions. Okay. Every now and then I get a teary-eyed moment with, you know, my five-year-old granddaughter. She understands that. It's just those little things in life that I didn't really understand until I could understand. It's just hard to explain. I just think being honest with the ones closest to me about, you know, my emotions and that's been the, the part in my journey that's been the biggest success. And it was my biggest failure while I was drinking. Alan, that sounds yeah. absolutely fantastic. You know, one of the things I've learned in these rooms is that, you know, working the steps and living this program and doing the work in it doesn't guarantee that relationships are going to get repaired and grow, but it sure does happen a lot. Yep, it definitely does. Alan, thanks so much for being here today. Well, I appreciate it, Don. But don't go anywhere, because if you're willing, you can join us in a little segment that we call Pound Sign, Heard in a Meeting. No, Don, that's hashtag Heard in a Meeting, where we scour the interwebs for posts of cool things you've heard in a meeting. Post them on social media with hashtag Heard in a Meeting, keeping in mind our tradition of anonymity. Here's what caught our attention this week. A feeling, any feeling will not kill me. Hashtag heard in a meeting. Uh, I'm afraid of that one. You're afraid of that one. I'm afraid I'm afraid. Well, your fear is not going to kill you, Don. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. Now, acting on your fear, that could kill you. But your fear alone is not going to kill you. You know, I did, I did learn that in experiencing grief. One of the pivotal things that I learned in recovery was when I had some family members die. I was two years sober. And on the day of the funeral, I wanted to drink so bad that nothing would touch it. And I thought I was going to get drunk. And I did everything that AA asked me to do. I had lunch with my sponsor before the funeral. And I left that and was just going, you know, I think I'm going to get drunk because I didn't want to experience what I was going to experience. And I called up someone in the program. She had lost her son and stayed sober. She told me 
Don, it's okay to feel it. It feels like it's going to kill you, but it won't kill you. Just go ahead and feel it. And that was the hardest thing to do, mm-hmm. but I did it. I just let it go. And I got to the other side of it. And then I could go to the funeral. I, it, it, that's the way to let it go was to feel it. We actually have to move through these things rather than avoiding them. And avoiding them is absolutely what I did. And avoiding them, getting drunk was a great way to avoid them, but it also pushed them down and made them bigger problems, which made me want to get drunk. Alan, I see that you're sitting here with us alive. So I'm kind of assuming that none of your fears have ever killed you. No, they haven't. And just I'd echo what you were saying there you know i drank over a lot of my feelings i drank at my feelings to push them down and and to get rid of them but today and my continuing care that i attend weekly is a mindfulness-based relapse prevention and there's segments in there of you know it's called urge surfing and it's just sitting with the feeling that you're dealing with and not trying to avoid it going through that feeling that there's a point that those feelings are going to end you know, they're not going to be permanent, but to sit with it and to experience it and explore why am I feeling this emotion? Why am I feeling this sense of grief, sense of wronging, what have you? And it's not always negative. It could be positive. Why am I elated today? Urge surfing, as it's called in MBRP, mindfulness, you can, or I've explored the reasons why I have particular feelings over particular topics or events it's positive too. Why am I, why am I elated? I want to evaluate that and explore it so that I can capture it for something else, observing it, you know, expanding upon it, not just drinking at it or dismissing it, you know, evaluating it in a sense. I like that. I've never heard that term urge surfing. I'm going to have to look that up. Thank you. Yeah, I like it. There's a song by Leonard Cohen about this, and he has a line that goes, I don't trust my feelings. Feelings come and go. I love that. And it's kind of what you're talking about, Alan, is stepping back from my feelings, stepping back from my urges and watching them. Yeah, there's one one acronym that uh, we use. It's called SOBER. Stop, observe, breathe, expand and respond, not react, but respond with intention, sober. It it works that expand, sit with that feeling. You know, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? What's the situation? That's my biggest problem as an alcoholic. What was my part in it? Mm -hmm. You know? Wow. I like it. And we definitely get practice in looking below the surface by working these steps, especially when we get into uh, fourth and fifth step work. Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, Today's last hashtag heard in a meeting. Advice is what we ask for when we already know the answer and wish we didn't. Well, not always, but it's certainly (laughs) true. Maybe this is like the thing where I can call up my sponsor and before I finish telling him what's going on, I know what he's going to say. And here's the answer. Oh, yes, I already knew what to do, but I didn't. I needed to make that contact to get the different perspective. Sponsors are great for blind spots. And if I think I've got the answer, it's still a good idea for me to run it past a trusted friend in recovery. Mm -hmm. Validate your good thinking. 
make sure it is good thinking and make sure it's the right <laughs> motive. There you go. I don't trust my feelings and I don't trust my thinking. <laughs> Folks, that's it for uh, hashtag heard in a meeting. Please do uh, post on social media what you're hearing in the meetings and accompany it with hashtag heard in a meeting. And maybe we'll read yours on the air. Alan, thanks for being here today. Indeed, Alan, it's been a pleasure. It's been great, guys. Hello, and thanks for calling AAA. How may I help you? My name is Dabney, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, sir, I think you've misdialed. This is AAA, not AA. I know that. I'm just letting you know how my car got in the lake. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.